All right, all right, Phil, my man, we are back, and it's time for our second installment in the Arion Chronicles. I'm pretty excited about this because today we get to review Actual Fantasy, which was the second Arion album, and I have no idea how you feel about this one because I don't think I've ever talked to you about this album, so I'm really interested. Oh, shit. oh okay, cat's out of the bag. Well, no. I guess... Okay, good. Continue your intro. I guess they can... I interrupt. I guess people can push pause or just go ahead and go to the next podcast right yeah, now. Yeah, I think we're we'll wrap that up. All right. Well, been good. See you, man. So, Phil, um, now that you've ruined everything, I just want to ask you, are you ready for this episode, genuinely? I truly am. I have notes and shit. All right? And the end shit is just filler, but I have notes. All right. Well, let's start with the filler, and then we'll go to the notes. And then before we do that, let's start with a That's So Metal, which we always do. Do you have one of those? I do. I have one that I, I'm going to put my headphone back in. I have one that's, I think, quite wholesome. There's, I was looking it up. I found it today. I have plenty of other That's So Metal. I can do a zillion for medical shit. This one, though, is nice, um, as opposed to some of the more uh, macabre shit that I usually throw out there. So um, this is about a German gymnast whose name is Johanna Quas. Uh, she is the world's oldest gymnast. Guess how old she is? 80? She's 95. Holy shit, that's amazing. There, yeah, there's a video of her um, when she was like 92, and I guess she could still do it. She's 96 now, actually. The article, she's 95, but I looked it up. Um, I Anyway, she's 92 years old, and she's, like, on these, those, those, whatever those bars are. And she's doing, like, legit fucking shit that I can't do. Absolutely not. And I'll never be able to do it ever without tearing my fucking asshole open. She's, uh, she's flipping around. I mean, not, like, not insane shit, but pretty damn impressive for someone who's in their 50s, let alone in their 90s. She's been yeah. a gymnast since she was, like, eight years old. And she's, like, she's going underneath of them, like, spinning, spinning in through them, and, like, twirling herself all around like it's nothing she's a zillion years old she's completely with it mentally her key to a good life is like eat good which shocker eat like a green like like a green light diet regular exercise i always like to go to people like her when they're like i know someone who smoked every day and they live till they're 80 I'm like well they're the anomaly that is an outlier do not act like or do not think you can do that. It's probably not going to happen. You're going to die when you're 50. And it's, um, it's so ridiculous to try to compare living versus spinning around on gymnastics equipment. Yeah, you can right. live the 80 while you're smoking like a fiend, but you're just going to be sitting around watching Jerry Springer. Exactly. The quality of life is vastly different. The, yeah, you're alive, but you're like, you can't wipe your own ass. Yeah, that's not living. And you don't wipe your own ass, and no one wipes your ass. And you're going to come into the ER covered in shit. I guarantee it. God damn it. How often but do you have to deal with that, really? Every day, a lot. Like, multiple times. Yeah, last night, two people came in covered in shit. Does and they're, that... like, sick, too, so you're trying to, like, treat them, but you have to wipe their ass first, because there's, there's shit everywhere. There's shit everywhere. Like, actual poop. That's <sighs> so foul, man. Has it changed? I, I hate to even entertain this, but it seems like it could. Has it changed your view of humanity? Or are you just kind of, like, more, God, these cattle. Get them in and get them out. <laughs> I've had some pretty morbid thoughts, but I also try to uh, compartmentalize it and keep it in work. So when I leave work, I try to 
keep in mind that I see the worst of things, you know, and most people, I guess, aren't really like that. Some, a lot of the things that I see, you could probably extrapolate and assume about the broader population, but like you're going to have accidents in your pants when you get older. But yeah, I, I mean, I've had some pretty god awful thoughts <laughs> pop through my head. Before just you, people that just, yeah. Before you've even told me this story, I just want you to know I am a thorough bunghole scrubber. I'm talking like washcloth, fresh washcloth every time I'm in there, and it's getting scrubbed. I'm squatting down and I'm scrubbing that bunger. So. Yeah, I've been there for a while doing too, man. It's kind of a thing where it's just like, I'm not going out in public with dingleberries. Yeah, or like that itchy, you're like, oh, my asshole. Like, did I, you know what I mean? Did I wipe it or nope, not? Nope, like, it's going to be clean. No, that thing's going to be friggin' scrub clean. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we see that a lot. So this lady's quality of life is a lot better. I'm sure she has her accidents, but she is clearly capable and uh, probably willing to get up and go to the bathroom. Uh and she's flipping around on bars and shit. She's a fucking champion. Love it. She's inspiring. Love it. So that's, a, that. that's, a, that's a really great That's a Metal segment. I am appreciative for you for it. And I think it's a great segue into this Arion actual fantasy album. One, because Arjen Lucasen is Dutch, which is a neighboring country, I think, to Germany, hopefully. Yeah, Holland, yeah, it is. And then you have a very upbeat, positive album. And some of the liner notes in here I was reviewing, I ha I'm showing Phil here on the screen for those of you who are listening, which is all of you. I'm showing him the uh, CD insert because as I was reviewing these for the episode, it's just abundantly clear that Arjun has such a positive outlook. He's like playing around. He's just having so much fun while he's doing this shit. And it seeps through the music and it seeps through what he's written here. So I'm going to jump right into it. I hope that's cool with you, Phil. This is the second album of the Arion uh, franchise, if you will, that's now kind of exploded and really is known worldwide. The first track on this album is the title track, Actual Fantasy. I'm going to put it on here. This is kind of an intro or interlude. Anything you want to say about this, Phil? Not a whole lot there. It's some silly little voice that says Actual Fantasy. Uh, it shows off, I guess, his quirky side. There's some flute. It, it segues pretty well into the first actual song. That's about it. Really, no reason to listen to it. But if if you like to, if you're willing, if you're like you who like who prefer the totality of the album, you know. Yes, I want the right whole. In. I want the whole yeah. meal. I want the appetizer. I want the you know salad. Yeah. I want the main course, and then I want the dessert. Yeah. So, this uh, I'm going to read to you. He's got some notes here, song by song. For this track, he says this is the intro of the CD and invites you to sit back, relax, and use your imagination. And he puts a note here. I've added a real flute here, played by. Eva Albering instead of the flute sample I used on the original. As you may have noticed, the spoken actual fantasy by David Bauschwitz is different as well. At the time, he gave me 10 options. So the, the album we're listening to is the 2004 re-recorded version of this. And on the CD that I have, he has the original 1996 version. And it differs actually pretty substantially, interestingly. But I always, oh, I always listen to the re-recorded version and I consider that to be the better, uh, candidly. So... That transitions us into Abbey of Sin, and um, since I'm already kind of blabbering, I'll tell you, this is one of my top three. I like this song a lot. I wonder how you feel about it. Oh, yeah, I think it's just a pretty strong song. I have a little bit of a critique regarding the structure of it, and I kind of feel that way about a lot of the songs in the album, but it, it's not something that makes me not enjoy it. I think that um, I look up the notes. It's about it. I don't know if you wrote something in there, it's about like a page or a book that as you read it, it kills you. 
Yep. And um, it turns out yeah, that the, a, uh, they discovered yeah. a book of comedy written by Aristotle, but the pages are poisoned. Right, exactly. So when at two forty seven, when he said the way he delivers another man died today, like the ones before, I thought that was a really, really great delivery. There's a lot of great uh, prog rock song structure. This to me is a prog rock album, not necessarily metal. There's a catchy, low, like a sort of a softer approach, and I think it's shown on this song. And I like how the singing gets a little higher and more emphatic uh, when he says it holds an evil power. Um, I, I think it's a really catchy song, really eerie, feels like Arion. I like it a lot. So I uh, would have probably says I would have probably kept out the last singing section and just went with the solos. I think he throws a little bit too much in some of these songs where I'm like, eh, I would have probably just let it ride out. I don't but, um, I don't disagree with you. This is like a nine minute song, I'm pretty sure. And it's, yeah, some of these songs are just not necess- not. Uh, there's no real reason for them to be as long as they are. Yeah, they they want they you? definitely wander. Mm-hmm. And um, still, go ahead. Oh, sorry, still a good song. You know, still worth listening to. You know, just a little extra. Do you think there is an undeniable Beatles influence? Mm, yeah, but I but I've thought that before when I uh, I when I was listening to Into the Electric Castle when he does the hippie character, and so I think yeah I I, I guess I've sort of always sort of, since then um, kind of heard and uh, sort of assumed he had a, a big influence from the Beatles. So yeah, I, I can totally see that. Yeah, it didn't strike me, but as you say it, yeah, it's that's totally in line with what he does. Let me read for you what he writes here about the Abbey of Sin. Sin is the old spelling of sin. So it's the S-Y-N-N is the old spelling of sin, S-I-N, and also refers to the important role of the synthesizer on the CD. Based on the movie Name of the Rose, the song tells the story of a monastery where laughter is strictly forbidden. One by one, monks die mysteriously, each having a blackened finger and tongue. It turns out that the monks have discovered a book of comedy written by Aristotle, but the pages are poisoned. And then he puts in uh, an asterisk. As in all the songs, the drums, guitars, and bass were replayed. I also replayed the strings on a Solina string ensemble, some guitar melodies, and the horn at the end on an Oberheim synthesizer. Also note the delay on Ed's snare and kick, giving it that typical Bonham sound. So he's definitely got a classic rock influence, whether it's Led Zeppelin or Beatles or something. It's just got that English kind of sound in some ways that I think stood out. And then if you play the song backwards, it says, Hey, mama, going to make you move. going to make you sweat. <laughs> it's, it's, it's uncanny. It's definitely there. That's crazy. Okay, my man, let's go to the next track, The Stranger From Within. What do you think of this one? That's still, I like the song, too. Um, verses are catchy, eerie, purposeful, acoustic-type main riff. Uh, opens up a little bit before they... Oh, yeah, before they really start singing, it opens up a little bit, and it sounds a little bit to me... And this happens a lot, and I'm curious about it. Of like the um, the song, the decision tree from Into the Electric Castle. I mean, like really, really um, similar chord progressions, and that happens a couple of times. And I'm wondering, sort of, what came first? You know, did he did he have a whole hodgepodge of shit? Like, how how far back was the human equation in his mind? You know, um, you know, what, what are the real seeds of that? And um, anyway. That's a whole other um, conversation, but a lot of fun vocal play in the chorus when he says, I think he says night and he goes, 
Nay, yay, yay. They do that a couple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's fun. It goes to what you're saying about him just having fun. You know, I mean, doesn't take himself too seriously. Uh, great keyboard solo. I mean, absolutely great um, keyboards and guitar solos at the end. Maybe the best on the album. And then there's an organ at the end that's really fucking neat. So this is pure prog rock. Him just doing his thing. I think it's a great song. Uh, not my top three, but definitely, definitely really enjoyed it. Well, so far on a typical Arion album, we would be at like a story now that would have been unfolding, and this would be the third track in yeah. the story. But this is his one album that is not a rock opera. So each song is its own kind of individual thought, but there's an overarching theme kind of of this, you know, sit back and relax and let this all unfold, and then just kind of the fantasy. And um, I, I love the idea of this song's intro sounds like it really is a B-side to Indie Electric Castle. It's, doesn't it? I mean, it just sounds like the same tonality, yeah, almost absolutely. identically. So it's, Yeah, exactly. It's, all, it's, all, it's almost like this album almost seems like a uh, sort of an insight into his creative process as much as it is a, like a fully-fledged album. Yep. You know? Totally. And um, I'll read you here what it says. A Stranger From Within. This song is loosely based on the Australian movie Harlequin. U.S. title is Dark Forces. My version in the video clip is about a girl who lies in a hospital in a comatose state. The doctors have already written her off as a terminal case. In her mind, the girl dreams up a mysterious stranger who battles her disease. The stranger takes the disease unto himself and is chased by imaginary doctors who believe him to be dangerous. They kill him and thus the disease. At that moment, back in the real world, the girl wakes up from her coma. As she opens her eyes, the doctors see the cat-like eyes of the stranger. The stranger symbolizes the power of imagination and fantasy by which the girl has overcome her illness. Nice. Such a cool and idea. That stranger's name is Ivor Mechton. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, that's a really cool uh, concept, man. Um, I like how he takes really dark stuff and then gives you uh, a nice out, nice uh, uplifting ending. Again, it's kind of it's reminiscent of everything he does, uh, especially in the human equation. Guy tries to kill himself. Horribly depressing premise happy ending right yep so i feel like he does that a lot I, i'm really on the same wavelength as him when it comes to uh like <laughs> how to approach life shit is sad and terrible but you're still gonna you're gonna get through it you know yep and and there's nothing that you can't laugh a little about you know and just like life right. can't get too heavy okay let's go to the next track and i'll tell you this is one of my top three for a very interesting reason but tell me what you think of computer eyes all right I got a, so I've, I've been doing like stream of consciousness notes. So I've plotty, plucky, synth, strumming, uh, sort of interspersed, which never, I said, never doesn't sound good. I really, I, I really am a sucker for that uh, chord progression and approach. Heartfelt singing kind of oh, feels like it's going to drag, but then it starts to pick up um, and kind of goes into one great synth and guitar solo after another. It's one of the, it, it's one of the first or one of the few songs that doesn't feel like it's a little too long. I don't think it feels that way. It feels like it feels like a complete song. It keeps you interested. It picks up at like three minutes. And then I think it it has like a a chuggy kind of thing and in a higher pitch and then it goes low. And it just keeps you kind of on your toes. And some alternate singing too. Same kind of approach. Um, with two, it sounds like a guy interrupting, almost interrupting the next guy to sing. Uh, like that a lot. What did you think? Love What's your it. Favorite song? Why? Well, no, it's not my favorite song. It's probably my 
second favorite song. My third was Nuts. Abbey of Sin. This is my second favorite. And then my favorite's a little later down the line. But I love this song because in this CD, there is a DVD that came with it that has like um, the lyrics that pop up and like this interesting art and stuff. And when I was in college, I ate a bunch of shrooms with my dorm mates. And then I watched this DVD while I was just wigging out. And listening to this music while watching the visuals of it was like, wow, this is so fucking cool. <laughs> so it, it holds yeah. a special place in my heart because this song in particular, for whatever reason, the way it kind of like, I don't know, just this, this ethereal synthy kind of, you know, right now where you're kind of out in space here. Yeah. It just really, it took me kind of, you know, when I was in the right headspace to a great place. So I love this song and uh, have for a long time. He says here, the movie Tron might have inspired me to write this song. This song is about someone who has been playing a computer game for so long that he isn't able to distinguish anymore whether he's playing the game or has become part of it. He doesn't feel emotions anymore and has become like a hologram, unable to find a way out. This song is certainly not an attack on computers, for it would never have been possible to make this album without them. It just all depends on how you use them. And for me, Uh, I I think it's the right length, and I think it's catchy as shit to computerize computerize and mesmerize and mesmerize and the way he does that stuff it's just I don't know to me it's catchy as shit okay yeah it sounds a little bit like the Unabomber would write that but um or that episode of South or that episode of South Park where they're playing World of Warcraft so long that Cartman shits in his mother's face all over <laughs> and I did want to say the way he delivers that line there's no escape I think it's really pretty um I don't know who the singer is I feel like it's just, there's one guy doing a lot of the heavy lifting, and I don't know who it is, but he's he kicks ass on this album. I don't know if it's a bunch of different ones. It sounds sort of similar, but I feel like it's one guy and he's just killing it. I don't know who it is. Let me see here. It should be in this uh, little pamphlet that I'm perusing, so I'll tell you in just a few minutes. So, do you want to jump to the next one here, Philigan? Beyond the Last Horizon. Yeah, man. Yeah, I do. Let's do it. I I think this is one of my top three. Um, but it's a little different because uh, this one doesn't. So even though this is not a considered a rock opera, the songs mostly blend really well into each other. You know, the ending of one goes right into the beginning of the other. But it doesn't really feel like that to me uh, when it comes to computerized and this beyond last horizon. But um, so I guess in a way, it feels like it really does feel like its own thing. Uh, some of the chord progression. Um, early on really sounds to me kind of like day five voices on the human equation uh like i was struck by that and i was thought that was a pretty riff anyway um really catch a part at 310 that could have come in a little sooner like when he says then he rode into the night and then he rode into the night. i think that's great delivery super catchy chorus um and then it does that that chuggy bat bat riff again but it has more synth and different drumming, and I fucking love that. I love how he'll go, come back and do something he did before, but with a little different twist. Yep. It's like he knows yep. exactly he knows exactly what works in his songs the best, and then he re-emphasizes that. He's like, I know what you want. I'm gonna give it to you again, a little different. You know, I think that's really that's a, that's someone really confident in what the music they're making. With just a little flair on it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The yep. the vocals he's got here are from Robert Soderbach, Edward Reekers, and Oki. Houston's, so I'm not sure which one of those fine folks is the most preeminent, perhaps in order of uh, list there. But this album, this song for me is, I like it. I don't love it. I think it's cool. But just kind of like this album as a whole, 
if I ever were to introduce someone to Arion, this is absolutely not the album I would do it. You know, it's like, it's cool. I like it as an Arion fan, but I think when we get to the end of this process and we've reviewed all of the albums, I think we both can acknowledge right out, it's going to be near the bottom, if not the bottom. And that's an impressive thing to say for how good it is, but it's just also a reflection of how fantastically good the other ones are. Yeah, they have to, yeah, they have to already be really into like Prague rock, you know, and just not heard of Arion somehow. And uh, then I think they would be open-minded about it. But yeah, if, if you were trying to just get someone into metal or into progressive metal or rock, it's not the album. I mean, I would go right to Human Equation probably, but you can make a case for other ones. Not this one though, I agree. It's a little, I don't know what the word is, but dense or slow in a way that you have to kind of, you have to just have a boner for area. <laughs> yeah, you do, you do. The, the, uh, the album chugs, like the, each song has this kind of chugging tempo to it. When you, you listen to it back to back, you listen to the whole thing through, it really does have a consistently kind of trotting tempo. There's not a whole lot of variation on the, the speed. And, and it's just kind of that chugging in each song for at least a certain period of time, there's a consistent chugging. Anyhow, Beyond the Last Horizon, I came up with this story during the last few days of my father's life. This story is set in the Middle Ages during the days of the Crusades. One of the Crusaders is ambushed and killed. As it is often written, he sees a light and he rides towards it on a road that disappears on the horizon. Beyond this last horizon lies death. In most stories, there is a beautiful light at the end, but this time there is only darkness. He realizes he has to fight not to disappear into infinity. And I think this ties in nicely to, to his dedication. He says, this album is dedicated to the memory of my father a brave man who possessed the power of fantasy, helping him in his last difficult years. So uh, pretty pretty cool, pretty uh, heartfelt there. Yeah, man, and we just said it was the, the least uh, <laughs> impressive album. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> do something good for your dad, Arjun. Okay, far, far Side of the World is the next one. What do you think of this one, brother? Far Side of the World, it's a trippy, kind of reminds me, of, I'll keep doing this, of being a little bit of a pain in the ass, but cosmic fusion from electric castle uh about 130 um or 105 to 130 the the music sounds very similar to me um i don't know if you remember that song cosmic fusion where they they say it's all a lie like it's all a lie before that death growl guy comes in i had no recollection of it until exactly what you just did now i know every note all right yeah exactly so um really reminds me of reminds me of that but beyond that it's um fairly catchy i think it's saved a little bit by being slightly shorter than some of the other songs so it's uh worth listening to in that sense but it doesn't really blow me away it's got good synth it's eerie it's it's catchy at points it's a good song not a great song what do you think i agree with everything you said probably don't need to belabor it not my favorite i think it's just okay song uh, this song is based on the movie The Navigator, an obscure Australian movie. It's about a boy in a medieval village where the plague is killing most of the inhabitants. The boy falls and has a vision. In order to cure the village, they must dig a hole straight through the earth and, on the other side, place a cross on top of a silver tower. They emerge in a New Zealand metropolis in the year 1988. One thing I did think was kind of cool about this is he says, um, This, in my opinion, underrated song turned out quite different from the original. The drums start earlier and the guitar parts are very different, creating more room for the vocals. I also added a harmony guitar part at the beginning. I always loved the spacey sequencer part at the end, played on the Juno 60 by my wife Yolanda, 
while I was fanatically twiddling as many knobs on the synth as I could. So you can tell he's just kind of playing around while she's playing something on the synthesizer, which I think is so cool. Yeah, that's, um, I didn't realize he had a wife that was into what he, I guess I never thought about that. Maybe she's uh, totally down with his creative process. Well, he's tweaking her. I just want to- He's, okay. tweak, he's tweaking her knobs while she's doing it, so she's got to love it. I was going to say that, too. I was like, I don't know if he's going to hear that and be like, what? But, yeah, definitely playing with some knobs. But I uh, I just wanted to, let's just mention, or let's emphasize how specific those instructions were to save the world. What You had to dig a hole through the earth and put a cross on a tower? Yeah, I guess so. We'll pass over the just... river to the silver tower, run before the clock strikes the final hour. He saw it in a dream and knew it had to die. All right, so you can't just fly there? <laughs> and not only that, but you got to follow the trail of fire. Oh. I don't know, I'll get it. It sounds like a weird game. But um, I do like how he has a he has specific uh, works in mind when he makes these songs. That's pretty, that, that's kind of neat. There's always inspiration, uh, you know what I'm saying? He, there's al- he's always yeah. crediting some inspiration. Let's go to the next one. This is my favorite one on here. Back on planet Earth. I just can't get this whole kind of chorus thing out of my head every time I hear it. What about you? Dude, definitely top three. But they're like, fly! He's (laughs) he's like echoing. He's a little behind the the main singing. Uh, Do you like those squealies in that main riff? That Yep. That's fucking cool. Uh, I I think I just love the part where it says, back on planet Earth. Da, da, do, da, do, do. It's just so groovy to me. I love that song. It, it is. Um, I said from 347 on, the song just kicks ass, just keeps going. Uh, feel, it's like the most progressive song on this album, uh, I think, or arguably. Uh, hooks and the chorus are so quality. Uh, fly! Yeah, I love it. I, this is a great song. Um, top three, not my favorite. But top three, I, my favorite's the last one. I'll just tell you that. Now. Oh, interesting. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, let's check yeah. out what this one's about. He says, In this story, a boy lives in a space station. The inhabitants have abandoned emotions, but he overhears the older people telling stories about the days when they lived on Earth. On his computer, the boy finds images of the most beautiful things, such as flowers and mountains. He also finds out that Earth was destroyed by wars and environmental disasters, and people eventually had to move out into space in order to survive. The boy realizes that after seeing people with emotions, he would rather have died on Earth than be in this cold space station. Looking back at this song now, I guess that Rush's 20, excuse me, 2112 might have inspired me. And in turn, this song must have influenced My House on Mars from the Universal Migrator Part 1, which when we get to that album, there's a definite uh, parallel there. Okay, cool. And And that's one of my favorite albums, actually, a little sneak peek. Okay, do you want to uh, jump over to Forevermore, or you got something else on this one? Yeah, man, great song. Um, if, if if I were to, if I had to select a song from uh, this album to try to get somebody into Avery on, I, this, this or the last one would be it. I agree with you, totally. Very approachable, varied, cool, catchy, but none of these, though, are particularly heavy, which I think is interesting, whereas later he gets a lot heavier in some of the songs. So, All right, my man, let's go to the next one, Forevermore. All right, I... Uh... All I heard was I don't like it. Hey, it, it just drags. Not much going on. There's some. I think there's some violin at the end. I can't remember what it was. I listened to it like twice. I was like, this song is 
dragging, man. It's painful. Yeah. I just didn't. I just didn't get it. I just didn't didn't enjoy it. And the placement is also also really rough because it's between two really good songs, and you just want to you just want to get through this one to the dawn of man. You know. Yep, I agree. It's 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 yeah. When you put it on, you're like, Ugh. you see the light. Like you, you forget how long it really is, and you put it on for a, you know a second time, and you're like, oh god. I gotta get through this to get this Dawn of Man. Damn it! (laughs) Yeah. All right. So let me read about this one. Based on the movie The NeverEnding Story, a boy steals a book from a store. The boy arrives too late for class, sneaks into the attic, and crawls under a blanket to read the book. The fictitious world of Fantasia is falling apart. It's being consumed by the nothing, a plague generated by blighted dreams and hopeless fantasies. The hero in the story has to cure the Empress from her disease and save Fantasia. The boy slowly becomes part of the story and has to give the Empress a name. So you could tell why uh, trying to condense an entire movie <laughs> into one song could be difficult, maybe meandering. Yeah, man, you could you should make a whole album on that fucking movie. That movie's great, and there's a lot going on, and one long slow sh- no, shitty song uh, ain't gonna cut it. Yep, yep. Well, let's get to the last one, the one that you we found out now is your favorite, The Dawn of Man. Tell me why you love this one. Uh, you know, I find it the most uplifting. I absolutely love that main riff, that even the baby noises at the end, which normally would kind of piss me off, um, I think is just so pretty and uplifting. And um, I think the singing is well, so well done. There's even the computer voice that he does is like soulful and heartfelt, Um, you know, and um, I think it's well constructed. I like how the there's a couple parts where the computer will echo what the guy is singing um and interestingly phil this one and back on planet earth both start with the vocal the same vocalist which is edward reekers ed reekers is the guy who starts off basically the first half to three quarters of the dawn of man and back on planet earth and then when you get into some of the chorus stuff on both of these, I'm going back and forth, double checking myself here, but it looks like he's got the same flow where he brings in uh, Oki. I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. O k k i e. Oki Houston's backup later, and then he mixes not to, in Robert. Not to be Soderbergh. confused with his brother Doki. <laughs> <laughs> got me good on that one, buddy. <laughs> All right. So anything else that I kind of stole your thunder there? Anything else on this one that you uh, wanted to share? Is it just something kind of where it finishes strong and you love it and you're just kind of like, yeah, you know. For me, this is always the song where it ended and I was like, you know, for all my criticisms and kind of thinking this was a little long, it was worth it. Because this album kind of, you know, it, it, it tightened, this song tightens it up. It just makes it like, ah, yeah. it was worth it. Yeah, it's a good album. I mean, it, it, it like I've had those thoughts. It's like a movie that you're like, it's like Rocky Four, right? You're like, you know, is this technically good? I mean, this is technically good, but is this like going to blow anyone away? Is from a like a standpoint of movie making? No, but I, it's a fucking good movie. I love it. Is this how I'm going to blow anyone away? You know, first time they listen to it, maybe not. But if they, I bet it'll grow on them. I mean, it's a good album. It's it is, and it it's, doesn't blow me away. It's it's easy to overlook, but it, it is quality. I'm glad I gave it a real chance. I didn't really listen to much of it until we did this i mean i always kind of just was like so um did you and do you feel do you feel the beatles influence here again like 
like that part, dude. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I just, I don't know, man. I think a lot of the introductory phrasing and tonality is very Beatles-like. Yeah, it's almost, um, I cannot think of the word. It's not folky, but it's very, I don't know, friendly? I don't know what to call it, but it's got this kind of uh, innocent, almost, uh, sound about it. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm doing a terrible job of trying to figure out how to explain it, but I, I do know what you mean. And um, I feel like a Beatles influence has been clear uh, for a while in Arian, so not, not disputing that whatsoever. I think, too, that there's a cool part where I don't remember what he says exactly, but he goes, ee, the second time he delivers the line, he does a little bit of ee, kind of stuff. And it reminds me of uh, what we were talking about earlier, where they just have fun with some of the vocals, some of the lines, just kind of, I don't know if the guy was supposed to do that. I mean, I doubt, he, you know, maybe they're, I feel like Arjun Lucas and probably like, just have fun. Yep. Yeah, but, yeah. At the end of when he says eternity or infinity, they just yeah. kind of take it for a ride. Yeah. And, you're and, like, I don't know why I did that, but it sounded cool. And I'd be willing to bet it might be Arjun spinning a knob while he's doing it, you know, just kind of modulating uh, yeah. the vocal. Okay. Yeah. So, so he says the Dawn of Man, this story is based on Stanley Kubrick's and Arthur Clarke's 2001 and 2010 but with my own fantasy and interpretation incorporated. The listener should do the same. The lyrics can't possibly be explained one way. I love the way this movie poses a lot of unanswered questions. It forces you to use your imagination. Sure does. Yeah, I was listening to that. First time I heard that all the way through was I was doing the... I was doing cutting the grass, and I just put it back on, man. I was like, I'm going to get back into that. This song? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. It's... He, they did a nice job, or he did a nice job laying out the album, because although track eight, Forevermore, really is stuck between two great ones, the way it's all laid out is it does, you can listen to the whole thing without really getting, you know, disgruntled. It, it flows, and if, even though some of the songs drag on, it's really not that long of an album altogether, because it's only nine songs. Yeah, it's not It's not ridiculous. No. It's, no. It reminds me of later Amorphous, right, where you're like, God, this is still good, a little, a little longer than he's big, but still good. Yep. Okay, um, so yeah, all right. so altogether, I think you would agree with me. We're two two albums through, and you would say this is inferior to the final experiment, which is of course the first album. I mean, we kind of agree with yeah. that, right? Yeah, it's not 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 quite as good. So one uh, thing I'm going to foreshadow for the next episode, which, if I'm not mistaken, is the Into the Electric Castle album and that's where I think really Arion turned a corner and oh, yeah. and it kind of exploded into popularity. I'll get into it later in that in that in the next episode, but he mentions that this album, the one we just reviewed, Actual Fantasy, kind of took him from a place of, whoa, okay, the final experiment was pretty successful, much more successful than I thought it was gonna be, meaning him. So then let's try this actual fantasy and it was significantly less successful than he thought and the Into the Electric Castle was basically like well okay this is it if this doesn't hit I'm done kind of doing this and I'm gonna go figure out my life and fortunately for all of our brains and ears it was a hit but I just wondered if you knew that flow of his evolution were you aware that this was kind of a yeah this was kind of this this album was a real turning point where I think he came to really solidify and recognize that the rock opera was where he needed to be. And it's clear that that's true. Yeah. And also, you know what is, I don't, the coolest part of that is the fucking 
how can you not i don't know how he came up with the, uh, the name for the album but how can you not at least give us give it a shot when you hear into the electric castle right and i was like that's the coolest fucking trippiest prog metal album name i could think of probably yep and i was like yeah so you, you fucking gotta give that a shot it just instantly gives you visuals of like whoa that's a cool idea yeah, yeah an electric castle I mean, you know it's going to be corny as hell, and it is, but it's so good. I'm trying but to... Yeah, so, yeah, that's funny that he didn't... He thought... See, I to me, this album, like you said, B-sides, it... it I, I I almost think he... It's not half-baked, but in a way it is. It, the, it, there's not a full... It doesn't seem there's a fully realized vision in this album. And so, it's a, I'm a little surprised that he expected this one to be very successful i almost thought he released it as like here's some other shit i've been doing you know um not like this is one of my this is my real shot here this is my swing for the fence yeah you know you think i i think we probably all have a tendency to look back on things that were successful and just assume that they were guaranteed to be successful or were automatically successful at the time they were created and that's so much not the case he was still figuring this shit out he was still totally identifying with what is my sound and where do I go and what am I making and what's my identity and what's because he even says in the notes in the uh, actual fantasy album that Arion wasn't even supposed to be the band name, but that was just the level of success that followed Arion the final experiment kind of led him to tag this along. So it was so much in the evolutionary phase still that it was who knew what this was going to be. And then when we do the next one into Dr. Castle, that's when I think we'll both really rightly identify. Here's where they just exploded into, oh, okay, bring on a million musicians, bring in a million vocalists, make something that's incredibly dynamic and captivating and deep and complex, and you could just listen to it over and over and over and still not really fully, you know, chew on all of it because there's just so much to it. And it's a double album, and it just... The the art is so different. It's just kind of like the grown up version, you know what I'm saying, of, of where he wanted to be. Yeah, he got he got real serious about it. I mean, I guess if that was going to be his last hurrah, his, his real his crossroads, he figured he'd put all of it, all everything he's got into it. Yep. And just see what happens. And the rest is history. So, Phil, next time we will do into the Electric Castle on our third installment of the Arion Chronicles, and we will wrap up this episode like we do every episode with a Mitch Hedberg quote because Mitch always makes you smile. He said, I was at this casino minding my own business, and this guy came up to me and said, you're going to have to move. You're blocking a fire exit. As though if there was a fire, I wasn't going to run. If you're flammable and have legs, you are never blocking a fire exit. <laughs> so true. What a legend. All right, yep. Phil, unless you don't have anything else for us, brother, always been a pleasure. Next time, Into the Electric Castle, keep rocking. You're the man.